Ending small business failure. Welcome to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with the number one small business expert, Melinda Emerson. Melinda's goal is to end small business failure, and she'll give you the information you need to succeed and live the life you dream of. Now, here's the small biz lady herself, Melinda Emerson. I am Melinda Emerson, the small biz lady, and welcome to Small Biz Chat. You guys know how I do. Small Biz Chat is a peer-to-peer interview show. We give small biz owners a way to share and give, learn, and valuable advice because the mission of Small Biz Chat is to end small business failure. And on Small Biz Chat Live, our goal is to give our small business audience an opportunity to hear sage advice from multiple angles to help you grow your business and take it to the next level. Because we know the whole goal of running a business is what? To grow a business that can run without you. So tonight's guests are good friend, Tanya Marie Evans, Esquire. She is a lawyer, law professor, intellectual property lawyer, and she's one of the top Bitcoin and cryptocurrency experts in the country. So excited to have her here. I am so excited to have you guys here because we know everybody's still struggling. Everybody's trying to figure out their way through this pandemic thing. And as long as it's going on, I'm going to bring people here for you that are going to help you figure out how to pivot the right way to either start a new business, reinvent your business, or get out of your business. Whatever you need to do, I'm going to have it here for you tonight. Tanya Marie Evans, and she's going to, you know, I've known her so long, I know her middle name, right? So that's how long she's been my friend, but she's an intellectual property lawyer, and she recently joined the Penn State Dickinson Law Faculty to continue her work in blockchain and cryptocurrency, data technology, and entertainment law, and social justice. She also owns Advantage Evans Academy, which teaches students how to leverage cryptocurrency, and she's the host of Tech Intersect Podcast. So for more information about her, head over to Advantage Evans. Tanya, I'm so happy to finally have you on Small Biz Chat Live. I think I've only been trying to schedule it for six months. Lady, you're busy. How are you? I'm excellent. I'm second only to you in busy, but always blessed. It has been a heck of a year. This year is the longest decade of my life, but I knew that it was not a matter of if, but when, and, and I'm thrilled to be here with you tonight. Oh, gosh. Well, I want you to help all of us understand because, you know, people have been talking about Bitcoin. People have been talking about cryptocurrency and how much money's being made and how all these people of color don't know about it. So there's one more thing we're going to miss out on. I, I Listen, I want you to break it down for me like I am in sixth grade. OK, I want you to help us understand what is Bitcoin? Well, it's interesting that in your intro, you use the, the term peer to peer. So I'm going to start there. I'm going to get into this by starting with Bitcoin as being, it's a digital type of currency. It's not issued by a government, but instead it's something that is a peer-to-peer exchange. It's really removing the industry in between my ability to transact with you wherever you are in the world. And so the ability to quickly, seamlessly, and, and really cheaply, quite frankly, Bitcoin is the OG in the space. There technically were types of digital cash that came before Bitcoin. Bitcoin was, long story short, invented or released. It's software that was released in 2009. We actually don't know the individual or group. It's uh, shrouded in secrecy, but we call this person or group 
Satoshi Nakamoto that released this software. But the software is what drives Bitcoin and other types of cryptocurrencies. I know we're going to get into all of that. But at the end of the day, it's peer-to-peer digital cash. All right. I like that. That's something I can understand. Peer-to-peer digital cash. All right. Now, so tell me if Bitcoin is the software, then what is cryptocurrency? Is that just a different type of software or is that like the actual currency that's used through the Bitcoin software? Like, So let's break it up a bit. Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency and we're distinguishing between Bitcoin and the over 7,400 different types of cryptocurrency and blockchain, which is the technology that organizes the transaction. So let me break it down this way. Bitcoin, again, was the OG. It's the first type of cryptocurrency. And every cryptocurrency is attached to this software database known as a blockchain. Thousands of blockchains and thousands of types of, of crypto. We hear about Bitcoin so much because actually just before we went live, you know, one Bitcoin is worth 12,000, but not every cryptocurrency performs in that way. But we focus on it, obviously, because it's so volatile, because it is the only to go up to 20,000 and then fall all the way back below 10,000. It's very volatile. And that's why people think that it's so risky. And it is. And, and I should always, the lawyer and me, start by saying, we're just talking tonight. This is for educational purposes. So there's no legal or financial advice. I'm not shilling any coins, but I'm empowering people to really understand the difference. So final point, compare Bitcoin, let's say it this way, Bitcoin is to blockchain as email is to the internet. Electronic mail was the first use case for the internet. Think of everything that we do with the internet now, not the least of which is this amazing show and working remotely. All It's changed the very nature of the way we entertain, the way we work, the way we travel, everything that we do is transformed. And we could not have imagined at that moment when we just wanted to send an electronic mail that got there quickly, peer-to-peer oftentimes, and didn't have to go through the post office in order to be delivered. So it's a rough analogy, but an analogy nonetheless, that blockchain is the infrastructure, the database that organizes the transactions. The transaction of value is the cryptocurrency. I see. So uh, you just confused me. Like uh, you had me and then you lost me. So, okay. So Bitcoin is the software. Well, let's uh, Bitcoin is a type of cryptocurrency. Is that what you're saying? Well, the software protocol that is blockchain is different than the software that is the cryptocurrency. So there are many different types of cryptocurrency, all devoted to a particular blockchain. And let's take a step to the side for blockchain. Blockchain is a database. When you think about the 2.0 version of databases, you are thinking about the information that is siloed. It is something that is controlled by an individual, a group, an organization, a business. Oftentimes, that date, we're living in a world of big data, so it's proprietary. And people use it for a competitive advantage, don't exactly want to share. But the minute the lights go out at Google or Yahoo or Amazon, so too goes all of that siloed information. The concern when Bitcoin was created is to find a way to transact without big banks. If you'll remember back in 2008, 2009, finances weren't going so well. And it came out at a time to say, we can't trust these intermediaries. We have to find another way to transact. We want to decentralize the means and the method by which these, the data, the transactions, the data, the transactional data, I should say, the way that is kept. We don't want a bank to keep it. We don't, says Satoshi and those who released it. I'm just explaining the details. But instead, 
we can't trust them. We can trust the code. We can trust the code that is a set of rules that say either Tanya has one Bitcoin or she doesn't. I can't say that I have one Bitcoin and send it to you and then also send it to Fred. In the same way back in the day, somebody would write a check for $100 and another check for $100, but only have $100. That's what we call the double spend problem. But blockchains to distinguish from the crypto, because it's all software, so it's not enough to just say the software per se, but it's two different functions. So blockchains are the transactional ledger. You'll hear the term ledger a lot. It's the means of saying, Tanya sent one Bitcoin to Melinda, that transaction is recorded. And then Melinda sends it to Charlie and Charlie sends it to Data Davis. That information about the transactions is what is recorded to the ledger. The ledger is the blockchain that is maintaining the, the transactional data about the Bitcoin that is being sent. Is the Got it. Got it. Okay. So is this stuff just for rich people? Like, can poor people get involved in this? I mean, like, <laughs> you know, how much does it cost to start trading Bitcoin? I mean, really? So Bitcoin goes all the way. You can, the short answer is Bitcoin can be split into very, very small unit, also known as the Satoshi, and it's eight decimal points out. So I often compare and contrast holding crypto to stocks, for example, where, you know, it's all or nothing for a stock unless you have a mutual fund or other ways. And then there are interesting products that people can start to participate. For the most part, it's a stock or no stock. On the Bitcoin side, you do not have to have $12,000 to get into the Bitcoin game or any other type of cryptocurrency. You can buy a fraction of that and, and participate in that way. And in fact, Crypto, at least at its origin, is really the antithesis of money that's, quote unquote, just for rich people. It's actually known as the people's money because we're removing the intermediaries that stand between me and you. Interesting. Interesting. So before you get any Bitcoin, though, don't you have to have a place to store your Bitcoin? So you're referring to wallets and that could be its own show. But the short answer is yes. But also keep in mind, because this is purely digital, while it is a bit of a misnomer, but we're using the language of the 21st, uh, the 20th century to explain the, the means of storing. But what is actually being stored is your ability to control, to buy, to send, uh, to receive. So what's being stored is actually what we call a private key. Each wallet is managing a public address and a private address. So that basically means if I want to send you a Bitcoin, you tell me your public address. And then I can send you in the same way I could send you mail, Bitcoin to your public address. What I never have and what you would never share is your private key. Private key is like the key that I need to unlock my mailbox. Got it. And it's the private key that is managed in wallets. There are a lot of different types of wallets. Some are always connected to the internet and they are a little less safe. We call those hot, hot wallets or hot storage. Some are not connected to the internet unless you connect them. And those are cold storage wallets. So there are a lot of different types. Some people even write down their private key on a piece of paper and they call it a paper wallet. But yes, you're really maintaining your private key because that is the access to send, to receive and to confirm transactions. Got it. Got it. So now what industries will the blockchain technology impact the most? And where are the opportunities like for small businesses or, you know, people looking for an innovative opportunity? Well, it's interesting. One of the best and easiest to explain is the supply chain. And there's so many commercials. IBM is, is bombarding us with commercials constantly that basically say moving something from Africa, from a, a country in Africa to the United States. A lot of 
people have to touch that. It has to change a lot of hands. And those people along that supply chain don't know each other. Therefore, they've not established trust in each other. But what they can say is that when that diamond was mined and it moved to this location and then this location, each time that it's moved, that information can be recorded to the ledger, a blockchain that all would have access to in order to see that. And you can ver- verify provenance and the authenticity of auto parts, diamonds, fine art. So anything that any business that would benefit from a central point of truth that everyone who does not know each other and therefore cannot trust each other necessarily can rely on. And that's very, very powerful, particularly when you think of a global economy. Other areas, decentralized file storage, because I'm an intellectual property lawyer, I love the digital rights management. That's another database where we really want to empower authors and artists. And so having that central decentralized environment is beneficial. The Internet of Things is a major one, managing smart devices in a number of ways and in a decentralized format so that if you buy one device that is not made from the same manufacturer, they actually can communicate with each other. And so that's a really interesting area as well. Awesome. Well, say that when we come back, we're going to talk about how do you buy Bitcoin and cryptocurrency? I'm Melinda Emerson. You're watching Small Biz Chat Live and we will be right back. Hi, I'm Melinda Emerson, Small Biz Lady. I know you might be thinking about quitting your business and going back into corporate America, but wait, before you give up, my new book, Fix Your Business, could give you a whole new lease on life. My 12 P's of running a successful business will walk you through step-by-step how to grow your business revenue, how to hire great people and streamline your processes and so much more. Grab a copy today of Fix Your Business and get your life back. Welcome back. You're watching Small Biz Chat Live. I'm Melinda Emerson, the Small Biz Lady. We're talking with Tanya Evans, Esquire. She is breaking it down for us about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. If you always were wondering what the heck is that, I am breaking it down for you tonight with one of the top experts in the nation who also happens to have been my friend for the past 20 years. Tanya, so tell me, you've explained to me all the things we can do with Bitcoin, Okay, I'm ready to buy. I'm ready to plunk my $500 down and, and try this thing. Where, what do I go? What website do I go to? Like, how do I go buy me some, some, some cryptocurrency? How do I do it? So we call that process onboarding, going from government-issued currency, also known as fiat, to crypto. So that fiat to crypto or how do you buy is a really important question. And a number of Notable movers and legacy movers in the space are making it even easier. Literally today or yesterday, PayPal just announced that they are going to provide a cryptocurrency option, not just for Bitcoin, but for other currencies. You can also go to, if you already have Cash App, there is a Bitcoin option there. Some Visa, MasterCard, they're all getting in the game. If you want to look at other opportunities that we in the crypto community would use more often, I'm thinking about Gemini and eToro. There are platforms where you can go to make your first fiat to crypto purchase. And that is kind of the gateway into the crypto world in many respects. Oftentimes, people start by buying Bitcoin or Ethereum. Ether is another type. And it's probably its market dominance is just under Bitcoin. Ripple is another one. So do your own research about what is in your best interest. But oftentimes, when people want to trade one crypto for another, They're going to need to use some of the ones in the top five in order to make a clean transfer. And that's Bitcoin, Ether, Ripple, Bcash. I recommend that your viewers go to coinmarketcap.com 
it is a completely free service and it lists the the 7,000 plus coins and you can have click through, you can learn about the price action over time and the way to buy what exchanges offer it. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So I go and get my $500 worth of Bitcoin. What can I buy with that? Where do I go? Am I going to Macy's with that? I mean, where am I going to, what am I, where am I buying with that? It's such a great question. And every day, the short answer is more and more companies have realized that they are losing the business advantage if they are not going to provide crypto as another alternative. And this is an area where smart businesses can be very savvy and get ahead of the game as well. With very safe platforms like BitPay, other Flexa is another one that gives you merchant options where you can add that in addition to offering MasterCard, Visa, Discover. Think of all of the options that we see when we are cashing out. To your original question about where more and more merchants are also accepting it as long as companies like BitPay and Flexa make it easy for them, where most people don't even, like in the best case scenario, consumers won't know and merchants won't know. There would just be that mechanism underneath that makes it better, faster, and cheaper to transact business. But best believe Amazons of the world, Overstock.com, there's a portal called Lolly.com. I'm not sponsored. I'm just trying to help people tonight. L-O-L-L-I.com. The people who founded Lolly, they used to be in e-commerce and, you know, like cashback. Now what you can do is use regular dollars and receive Bitcoin back. It's a passive way of starting to earn while you shop. So to Macy, like all of the big ones, you'd be surprised. There are hundreds of them. And so places where you shop online, we're all shopping online right now. Why not earn a little Bitcoin back in the process? Why not earn a little bit of Bitcoin back in the process? I love it. All right. So now that I I know where I've got my, know where to buy it. I know where I can buy with it. What are some Bitcoin best practices for Mm. beginners? You already gave us that website. What was that website you said to go figure out which currency you wanted to purchase? Coinmarketcap.com coinmarketcap.com. Okay, great. Now, what else do I need to know before I get out here? Because it does seem like it's a little bit like double dutch, like you can mess around and get hurt. Like, like, if you, like if you don't know what you're doing, you can get right. up. So, so tell me what beginners need to know before they, you know, jump out here and, and think they're going to be switching current, you know, currency like that. Yes, there's so many people who come to me after the fact that said, yeah, I saw it on Cash App and I bought it. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know what it is, but it seemed like a good idea at the time. Resist the urge to do that. This is not going anywhere. And you want to kind of pump the brakes and find reliable sources. I have a number of free masterclasses where people can come to a Crypto 101 and get the details. There are a lot of really wonderful providers of education in the space. I'm happy to, if you go to advantageevans.com, I have a list of information where people can go. I have more formal courses for people who are really, really getting serious, but it doesn't take that level of commitment when you're really trying to figure out, is this something that I want to do? I want people to be empowered to understand. And the education platform is all about making sure that people get in safely, legally, and confidently particularly in black and brown communities and women. Women are the, is the, that's the number one demo of people getting into the space. The numbers from Q1, I haven't seen the Q2 numbers, but really, really spectacular because we're starting to figure out what other assets do I need in my life, not just for this generation, but to create generational wealth. Because it is true what you said in the beginning, black and brown communities, traditionally underestimated communities, largely missed out on the dot-com boom. 
This is Web 3.0. That was 2.0. We are on the precipice of something really amazing. It's not a Bitcoin and blockchain is not for everything, but you want to at least have a conversation. And so that's why I'm so excited about it. We have a unique opportunity to connect in a way that we don't need to have gatekeepers tell us it's okay to participate. We are the people, we can take control and we can find our way. There's a lane for everyone in the space. And so that's why I'm so excited about it. All right. So I hear you, but I run a small business. So how soon is it going to be before some of one of my customers comes to me trying to pay me with crypto? Like, like, do I need to be concerned about this as a business owner? And what do I need to have in place to accept cryptocurrency as, as payment? Yes. So BitPay and Flexa are the most prominent in the space to easily and quickly for a merchant to get up and get plugged in. So there would be very little uh, in terms of the educational process, because those types of businesses have done it for you. Oftentimes, when a small business in particular is making a decision about which payments to accept, that's a, it's a you just it's the bottom line. How much is this going to cost me? And if I have to pass that cost on to my consumers, uh, my customers, my clients, is it worth it? But I make the prop- proposition to argue that it is when you think about the, the charges from MasterCard generally charges like 1.5 to 2.6% for each transaction. I think it's actually 2.9 is what I've seen. And American, American Express is from 2.5 to 3.5. And, and these are averages, right? Discover. But a fraction of a percentage is what you would pay when you're accepting crypto. And so the business proposition of not doing it means you don't want to compete. Got it. Got it. All right. Last question. How important do you think it's going to be in the future? Like how soon is it going to be before it's, it is the main way people are transacting business? How many years you think? Well, right now, only 6.2% of Americans hold Bitcoin. I don't know about the other crypto, but so I focus most of my time. If People are going beyond, if people are adopting Bitcoin, then you know the others will follow because a rising tide. But it's not a matter of years. The business proposition for Bitcoin and blockchain technology is like yesterday in the sense of, and I say that because although we are very, very early, when you see legacy institutions getting in, the business proposition has already been made. They've known about this for years. Bitcoin, as I told you, has been around since 2009. The fact that Visa and MasterCard and PayPal and Venmo, it's funny to call Venmo and PayPal and Cash App legacy, but they're like Neo legacy. Right. How long? It hadn't been five years as if they've been around. I mean, that's crazy. Right. Unbelievable. So the business proposition is already made. Congress is talking about the digital dollar. They were talking about it in Congresswoman Waters in the House Financial Services Committee worked very hard to try and get the digital dollar into the original CARES Act. It was ultimately taken out. I'll leave it to you all to figure out how that happened. But that would have gotten money to people so fast and so quickly. So if Congress is talking about, you know, it's too late already. So that will start there. But there's so many, even the government central banks are talking about a central bank digital currency. China has already established theirs. The United States is talking about it. It's not a matter of if, but when. So if you want to stay on the leading edge of this, then the, the time is now to begin the process. And, and, and I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity. What is your favorite podcast? <laughs> Most recently is Lovecraft Country because I'm obsessed with the show and it gave me 
all the tea about the show and helped me see all the Easter eggs and make all the connections. And I felt like I was at a dining room table, sipping my wine saying, and then what happened? (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Tanya, what is your favorite business app? Oh, Calendly. Calendly cures a month of of sins of of misconnection and the ability for people to just reschedule on their own and the the full integration of it. So it's been a lifesaver. So Calendly is is definitely my go-to app. All right. All right. Tanya, what is your favorite old school marketing tip? Just jumping on the phone. I'm um, so weary of Zoom. If if there's not a a reason that we need to be face-to-face or if I think of, would this be someone I would actually invite into my house? If so, why are they in my house? Um, <laughs> just hopping on the call. And I have learned so much. That is how, when I started, when I crafted my my new course, and it really was a way to test out, the, to see who outside of the crypto community would even be interested, and hopping on conversations, because at first it was just exploration. But at the end of the call, when people said, now, about what you said, I'd actually know, like to know more about that. Or here are the questions. I was able to craft out the modules and the lessons that were specific to who the audience was. And I had no idea who my perfect audience was because what I was creating was for a completely different audience that probably wouldn't have shown up. Hmm. So it was only on the call. And this is a really difficult subject matter. So hearing me and speaking to me and hearing their questions and being able to answer in real time, that's been a game changer for me. So so definitely old school phone. Let's have a conversation. All right. Yeah. Magic does happen over the phone. I'm a firm believer in that. And I too like mail, but I like handwritten notes, Kenny. I like a Mm. follow-up handwritten note. Thank you for spending time with me. Enjoy you. Love you. Mean it. Whatever. You know what I mean? I just think people don't throw away handwritten notes because very few people get them. So think about that. Cards and notes are valuable. All right. Last question, you guys. What is your favorite business book? Favorite business book? Oh, boy. So (laughs) I'm trying to remember back to the summer when I was reading something not related to law or to blockchain because I want to think outside. I am an entrepreneur at heart. Minda Hart's book, The Memo, helped me move on jobs. And so it was like it truly I felt like it was a love letter to me specifically at being at a high level and, and trying to transition to really go back to the origin of who I am. And I also read It's About Damn Time by Arlen and have participated on some of her courses online and really just take off my lawyer cap and my know-it-all cap and really you know learn from other people. And it energized me. And that's what really led me to go back into entrepreneurship in a more substantial way. I love it. I love it. Well, listen, you guys have been amazing. Thank you so much for coming and hanging out with me on Small Biz Chat Live. You guys know how we do. The whole goal of Small Biz Chat is to end small business failure. Thank you so much to my guests. If you guys want more information about my guests, be sure to check out my blog, succeedasyourownboss.com to get more information about them. Thank you all for watching tonight. And the mission of Small Biz Chat is to end small business failure. I'm Melinda Emerson, the small biz lady. Until next time, remember you never lose in business. Either you win or you learn. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with Belinda Emerson. For more resources and small business success strategies, visit succeedasyourownboss.com. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and join us next Wednesday.